Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of Trainwreck Fantasy Football. Wake here, Jordan on the top right, Chris bottom left, some guy named Steve on the bottom right down there. Got a great episode for you guys today. Of course, we all know defense doesn't win championships in fantasy football, but you can approach it in a few different ways in the draft or for season long, whether you're streaming, maybe do you want one of those top defenses? Maybe do you play in a league where drafting a good defense could actually pay off better than in a normal league? So we'll talk about all that. And then, of course, the most fun part of draft season for fantasy football, deep sleepers. I'm talking guys that you can probably wait until the 15th, 16th, 17th rounds of your drafts, wait to draft them because they're going undrafted in pretty much every single draft out there. Basically, for a deep sleeper, it's going to be anyone with an ADP of 170th overall or later. So if you're in a 10-team league, on average, they're going undrafted. So we're going to do all that for you guys today, and we're really excited to do it. No Meerkat, but I know that Steve's got a take that he's going to have out there in Meerkat's honor. I got one for one of my sleepers, and I'm sure all of you can already guess uh, exactly who that's going to be. But uh, we'll start out with the defense here. And, uh, you know, Steve, I'll let you kick this discussion off because this is going to be just like a quick 10 minutes of the show here, just about how we're all approaching drafting defenses. If any of us want to reach on some, if there are any later defenses, maybe some sleepers for a defense. So what are you doing in 2021 for this? Is it different than years past? Yeah, so I know Jordan's going to disagree with me right off the bat, but I have always been- <laughs> always been in the camp of I stream defenses week to week. I don't want to hold on for a, yeah. to a defense for the entire year. And it just it kind of benefits you if you play your cards right. And a lot of times you can get the you know best performing defense for the next week at a discount if you look ahead in the schedule. And yeah. Meerkat and I are in the same camp of we don't really care about drafting an elite defense. Last year the Rams were the top defense. They averaged 9.9 .9 points a week. The Steelers were second at 9.8. There were seven teams that if you just streamed against them every single week that were ahead of that. You had the Eagles that gave up 12.5 mm -hmm. points a game when you played a defense against them. The Jets, 12.4. The Broncos, 11.4. The Bengals, 10.6. The Giants, 10.6. The Jags, 10.1. And the 49ers, 10.1. The common denominator, those were bad offenses last year. And that's mm -hmm. what I like to target when I look at defenses. I want to see who's playing these bad offenses. So you got to look into like which teams do you think aren't going to have good good offenses this year? The Jets, the Lions, and the Texans are a few of the obvious ones. Mm -hmm. You also could have the Eagles in that category, the Patriots maybe. Now the Saints, I would say as a possibility, just because if Jameis starts, he's going to turn the ball over. Yeah, he may score a lot, but mm -hmm. he'll turn the ball over. He'll get sacked, and you want to target that too. So another team like the Giants fits into that category, and so. When I draft a defense, I'm not looking at which defense do I think will finish as the number one overall defense on the season. I don't mm -hmm. care about that. I'm looking at, hey, which defense has a good schedule to start the year? And then exactly. when the year plays out, you know, maybe week two, week three, I look for, hey, which defense has got good matchups week four, week five? And so mm -hmm. there's a few that, you know, have kind of stood out to me. First, if you do want to kind of pay up for a good defense, the 49ers, they faced the Lions week one. The 49ers projected as the sixth best defense by Fantasy Pros. The there Lions won. That's that's a home run play. But you mm -hmm. can also look at you know defenses people aren't really talking about. The Broncos, 14th ranked by Fantasy Pros. They start the season Giants, Jaguars, Ooh. Jets. Ooh. That's that's three weeks you could play the Broncos. And then mm -hmm. you want to look a week ahead. So a defense, a good defense for me, like the Cleveland Browns, 
They played the Chiefs in Arrowhead week one. Nobody's Not touching that defense. Yeah. And if you draft the Browns, chances are you're looking at that week one schedule go, oh, I don't want that. You drop them for a different defense. I'm mm-hmm. picking up the Browns for week two because they play the Texans that week. And that's yeah. my big key for defense. Look ahead in the schedule and just play the matchups. Yeah, especially you know, if you're drafting one, they better be good. They better have a good schedule at the beginning of the season yeah. is what I meant to say there. And and the, the only league that I – style league that I draft defense early in is a guillotine league right. because the Rams, they play the Bears. If Andy Dalton's starting week one, you might want to take the Rams' defense in like the seventh yes. round because you're getting through to the next week because that's the idea right. of a guillotine league. Um, but you bring up the Broncos. That's a great guillotine league draft uh, pick for a defense because you could probably get them in one of the later rounds, but they're going to set you up for success for the first few weeks. Uh, Jordan, we'll, we'll go over to you now because Steve called you out immediately and said that you would disagree with them. So why do you like to go for one of those the, the, the upper tier defenses? Because we all know that you do. Oh, you're muted, buddy. I think you're good now. Are we good now? Yeah, you're good. Cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my thing with defense is if I can get a really good one that I can set it and forget it, you know, I'll take it. I mean, obviously we're playing fantasy, so we love to to hunt around and play the matchups. And don't get me wrong, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it gets to round 12 through 17, I'm hoping to either find some surprise player that's going to break out or I'm looking at defenses because – Realistically, I mean, do I want a slightly better RB5 or do I want the top defense in the league? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to reach – I'm not going to draft a defense or you know a kicker in the single digits, but if I can get one of those top defenses right away, I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I make a, a couple caveats with that, and that is I recommend anybody who's going to take that strategy identify the couple defenses you're willing to reach on and hold yourself to that. Yes. Um, because if defenses start flying off the boards, and I mentioned this with quarterbacks, you have to have a point where you say, all right, I missed the run. Now I'm going to stream defenses. And you have to be okay with that. You don't want to be the guy that in round you know, 13, you're drafting the sixth or seventh best defense because, oh, man, I, I got to get one. Yeah. There will be, you know, what, 22 defenses to choose from in the, <laughs> in the, last, in round. the last round. You know what I yeah. mean? They're not all going to be gone. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too is like, I really like the bills this year because they invested so much in the draft, but they've mm-hmm. got a lot of young talent and oftentimes defensively young talent can sometimes take a little bit of time to adjust. So if you've got a mediocre defense with an easy schedule, they might be better than a really good defense. That's going to be playing against some, some tougher opposition because you know, there's defenses that they don't really come together until week four five, six. Um, and if you're expecting that this defense you drafted in round 12, 13 is going to give you 10 points and all of a sudden it's just not quite clicking for the first month. Um, we've seen that with countless Patriots teams over the years, um, where they'll drop a game here and there sometimes to mediocre teams that aren't even making the playoffs. And then week eight, you know, they're, they're barnstorming all the way through. So it really comes down to what kind of strategy you want, um, but you got you have to have discipline and know exactly what you're doing. And Chris, over to you now. Are, do you have anything to add here? Do you approach defenses a little differently, or do you? Or you know, it sounds like Jordan has like a, a plan for both sides. Do you have a plan for drafting early and streaming? Um, I agree with both you guys. Um, the early defenses, I mean, they feel safe. 
But I'm kind of looking at these tier three defenses. You got New England, you got Buffalo. I mean, half of New England's defense was out last year, um, mm-hmm. and they're not playing the – they weren't the first uh, in first in the AFC East, so they're going to be playing a little easier of a schedule. So things like New England and Buffalo, you can probably get in the double-digit rounds. Um, that's probably what I'll be aiming for, some of these tier three defenses, because you never know they could still end up in the top five um, instead of spending a lot of draft capital to get one of these uh, higher-ranked ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. The, it, out of all the the higher ranked ones, there's only one that I think I'm willing to reach on, and and I'll kind of explain why. And it's it's very difficult for a defense to repeat as the number one defense two years in a row. It's actually rarely ever happened, and it, at the last time it happened, it's been over a decade. Uh, to, to be completely honest, um, you know, it, years ago when Jacksonville came out of nowhere, they were a late round defense that came about and everything. Um, so, so there's just so much turnover. So like the Ravens scare me because they don't have Matthew June anymore. They lost Ngakwe. Uh, you know, the, the Rams even scare me a little bit because, you know, when Sosa Kremenges from the Lockdown Rams deep, or Lockdown Rams podcast came on uh, Fantasy last year and he did a crossover episode with the Crowders podcast. Um, he basically said that it's amazing that the Rams defense was as good as they were last year because they were plugging so many young guys who just exceeded expectations. And I don't plan on all of them continuing to develop. I mean, if they play at the same level as they did last year, sure, they'll be a great defense again. But it's never a linear growth pattern. And so with so many young guys, I don't trust them. But the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers brought back every starter from a Super Bowl roster from a Super Bowl caliber defense. If there's, if there's one defense in the top five, like the, the traditional rankings we have right now, that's the one I'm going to go for. Um, you know, Pittsburgh scares I'm, the hell out of me. It's all, it's all ugly. I'm going to butt in real quick on that just because yeah. you mentioned they're bringing all their starters back, but they're also bringing back all their coaches and coordinators. And exactly. that's a huge thing too because you mentioned mm-hmm. the turnover. A lot of times you'll get a team, even if the team itself doesn't do so well, if the one if they're great on one side of the ball, oftentimes that coordinator will go. We saw that happen with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Their you know defensive coordinator from last year. He's now you know he's still in L.A., but he's head coach right. of the Chargers now. But Tampa Bay, I mean that continuity is so rare to see, and that's why uh, I think I mentioned a couple of times ago Tampa Bay is my defense that I'm I'm willing to reach a little bit on because I I just think there's so much consistency happening there. Yeah, um, they are my. But I'll let you get back to ahead, it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to disagree with you guys here, just because. Really? Last We're year, defenses. Let's go. Let's. Well, do it. here's Let's the do thing. It. Here's the thing with Tampa Bay. If you want to play for any defense, I'm not touching Tampa Bay. I know they brought everyone back. I know they were a good defense last year. But last year, 12 of the 16 weeks, they were single-digit points. In seven weeks, they had five points or less. That is almost half the season where it kind of hurts you to have them That's as true. a defense. Not, not to mention, they didn't have bad. any. They didn't have. <laughs> any major injuries last year they were super lucky when it came to health and their schedule got a whole lot harder this year they're playing a first place schedule now i i don't want to touch tampa bay i i wanted if if i have to target a specific defense i want to target a defense you know that's maybe in a bad division or playing an easy schedule which is why i'm not touching the rams defense this year because i think the cardinals 49ers and seahawks will all have offenses and they're playing a first place schedule i want to try to avoid these teams if you don't believe in maybe Chicago or Minnesota, the Packers could be a deep defense you think about. Mm-hmm. But it, for me, it really comes to, I just don't think one is worth it. I think I can have a better chance just kind of gambling week to week against 
bad teams. And we'll see too. You know, right now we think we know we've figured out every team, right? Who the good teams are, who the bad teams are. It changes year to year. It oh always changes. It's gonna change that's week four. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a huge advantage when you're streaming defenses because three mm -hmm. weeks into the season, yeah. you can be like, oh, wow, this defense looks great. And look at their schedule coming up. It was three offenses I thought were going to be good, but maybe a few injuries happened or something. And then now it's like they have a cupcake schedule for the next month. <laughs> well, yeah, the thing with yeah. Tampa Bay, though, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, you like teams with easy divisions, but Tampa Bay and the NFC South. Drew Brees yeah. is gone from the Saints. Julio Jones isn't on the Falcons anymore. Sam Darnold is quarterbacking the Panthers. Right. To me, that's that's oh, six no, games I, right there that are pretty favorable matchups. I think I think that's fine. I'm just not going to pay the premium for Tampa mm -hmm. Bay because I just think they're getting overrated because everyone saw their playoff run last year, but they really weren't that great of a defense consistently last year in fantasy. Yeah, no, and, and I and I'll say a disclaimer: I'm not reaching for them, but if they fall to me where I feel comfortable with my running backs, mainly my running backs, if I feel comfortable yeah. there, uh, yeah. you know, I'm definitely probably taking it more times than not. I'm taking two tight ends before I get a defense. I'm not even gonna lie, yeah. uh, but you know, it's, it's it's fun to debate, but realistically, you see the title down there: defense doesn't win championships right. in fantasy football. That's why we're talking about deep sleepers, which literally do win you fantasy championships. We're talking guys like James Robinson, guys like Darren Waller before he broke out. These are the guys, everybody we bring up can be someone like that. Um, so I'm going to kick this off uh, with my first deep sleeper. And I think we talked about him before, uh, maybe as someone, maybe in the ADP risers and followers episode, I can't remember. Um, but I don't have as much to say about him as I will the second guy. Uh, so I'm just going to do this one because I don't think I, someone might steal him. Uh, and it's kind of Gainwell. Like, Miles Sanders is not a very good running back, guys. And he has had a bad case of the drop skis, bad case of the fumble skis ever since he came into the NFL. And it's kind of continued to perturb him through the training camp this year. There was one highlight, highlight, that a reporter, reporter, put on Twitter. And he was like, this is a really nice catch by Miles Sanders. The ball hit him in the goddamn hands. But it's a nice catch because he actually hung on to it. So, mm -hmm. like, that, that's what qualifies a good catch for Miles Sanders now. Nick Sirianni, their new head coach, he was not there when they drafted him. He was in a different organization completely. It's not even like he was promoted from within and he was there when they drafted Sanders. He has no tie to this guy whatsoever, but he was there, obviously, when they drafted Kenneth Gainwell. Last year, we all thought Boston Scott would impede Miles Sanders a little bit. He did not. He had the opportunity. He did not capitalize. This year, another running back is going to get the opportunity. That running back will be Kenneth Gainwell. Can he capitalize? Who knows? He's a rookie. But we've seen late-round rookie running backs perform well all the time. CC, James Robinson, Philip Lindsay, guys like them. So, you know, as someone who is going as – I had it up here. He Oh, 201. ADP 201, RB 58. He should be going – he should be getting drafted in every single league this year. I And I, I will stand by that until the end of the season, no matter the outcome. <laughs> Anybody hate Kenneth Gainwell? No, I like it. Especially mm -hmm. Miles Sanders does have some injury concerns. Of course. He doesn't play full seasons often, so I do like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Eagles also aren't a team that really uses a workhorse back. They like to mix no. guys in. So regardless of health to Sanders and Scott, Gainwell will have a role for this season. I mean, you say that, but, I mean, how much of that is them not having a workhorse caliber back for a while versus oh, them that wanting could to be it. Right. I mean, yeah, that yeah, could be it. No, that's fair. For a while, 
Um, and then, you know, Jay Ajayi for what, like a year or two was yeah. fairly close to a workhorse back. Um, I want to say they had somebody else. Uh, was it not Jordan Howard? Garrett Blunt. Le Garrett Blunt was in there for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he went back to Jesus. back. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I think fucking ugly. if you're going to take rookies, <laughs> running back yeah. is probably the best position to do it because they yeah. tend, I would say, probably be the, the fastest maturing players. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do get a lot more sort of one and done type of stud seasons. Like James Robinson, you mentioned, could mm-hmm. with, with them, the way they've gone in Jacksonville, new head coach, new quarterback drafted a running back in the first round. He could absolutely be the next guy that has one jaw-dropping season and then just disappears He'll just off be Philip Lindsay all right. over again. Yeah. How he was amazing yep. his rookie year, and then they bring in Melvin Gordon. Right. You know what I mean? Melvin, it was Melvin Gordon, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so if you're yeah. going to take a rookie, I think running back's a position to do it. And Philadelphia, like I said, I'm, like you, well, not like I said, like you said. <laughs> credit yeah, take. credit where it's due. Uh, yeah, cite me or else we'll play, if you see you for plagiarism. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there's, there's nobody really inspiring in that Philadelphia running back room that is such an insurmountable hurdle between yeah. Gainwell and, right. you know, very meaningful touches, you know? Yeah, part of finding sleepers is finding opportunity. Um, and exactly. that's exactly what Gainwell is going to have. Um, Chris, I know you are a big rookie running back guy, a big rookie everything guy. In fact, I'm pretty sure last year in the one league we're in together, more almost yeah. half your team might have been rookies. Um, so, and it worked out for you, too, to be mm-hmm. completely honest. So uh, I'm sure you might have wanted to bring up Gainwell. Who's someone you like deep in uh, in fantasy drafts this year? I do have a rookie, but I want to go with uh, my boy first, Quadriolison. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Okay. So talk about him. We talk a lot about Mike Davis. Um, he filled in fantastically for Christian McCaffrey last year. Uh, but he is getting old, and the way he runs is a very bruising run style. He might average 15 to 20 points for the first five games, but uh, he'll slow down towards the uh, end of the season. Arthur Smith came out and said Quadri is the true backup to Mike Davis this year. Arthur mm-hmm. Smith loves to run the ball. So I believe that if Mike Davis does go down, which I, I feel like I don't see him playing a full 16-game season with the way he runs the ball, mm-hmm. Quadri will take right over that backfield. And I think uh, his ADT, ADP is 244. I mean, you get him in the last round. Um, nobody's really uh, thinking about that. So I think that, especially for a handcuff, because I'll be targeting Mike Davis. Oh, yeah. said, I'll be targeting Mike Davis. But if I want a handcuff, uh, Quadri is a perfect uh, pair to uh, do that with. And he can carry value on his own, too, uh, you yeah. know, throughout the season. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, doubtful you'll ever start Mike Davis and Quadri Olison in the same week. <laughs> but, you know, if bye weeks hit really, really hard and they have a good matchup, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you not to. Uh, but it'd have to be like a, a, a maybe Green Bay Packers D-line kind of matchup there, bad against the run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Steve, Jordan, anything? I know we talked about Mike Davis before a lot on this show, actually. Yeah. Uh, and and Quadriolison was the caveat, really, out of everybody yeah. in that backfield. Yeah, I, I like that pick because the Falcons are another you know backfield where I really don't trust Mike Davis is going to be the number one back for the rest of the year. And if yeah. that's the case, then why not grab one of the guys? And right now, Quadriolson's the clear number two, and you have you know JV and Hawkins form, and they're really competing just to make the team at this exactly. point to get that final spot. He's secured in the roster. He's the number two until we hear further news. I, I like that pick a lot. Mm-hmm. Jordan, any thoughts on Quadriolson? And then give us your deep sleeper when you're through here. Yeah, um, I think with Quadre, you know, you're hoping that he can be the next sort of LeGarrette Blunt type of guy that gets enough goal Similar. line, short yardage work to be a touchdown mm-hmm. vulture. And that's something especially, I mean, Mike Davis, 
you know, he's he's a bruising back, but like Chris mentioned, you get late in the season, all of a sudden, you know, you got a little twinge in your shoulder. Maybe you don't want to quite, you know, go through the tackles as hard anymore. So, you know, coach says, ah, you know, let, let's give this carry to Quadre. You know, he get he puts up six, and now that starts happening a little bit more and more. You know, somebody somebody falls on Mike Davis's, you know, ankle in the huddle, and it's not quite sprained, but, you know, he doesn't quite cut as tight anymore. You know, there's a lot of room for Quadre to, to pick the – to pick things up. And I've said for a while that I, I really like the position Mike Davis is in, but I don't yeah. think that his track record and career statistics are strong enough to justify him being a set and forget it type of guy. Absolutely yeah. draft him if you got the opportunity, but recognize that his value is probably not going to be any higher uh, than it's, it's probably going to peak around week three, week four, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got a bunch of sleepers. I'm really liking I'm going to go and deep dive here. Love it. Um, how, tell going, us how deep before you tell us who it is. Uh, ADP of 252. Love it. All right. Lay it on us. <laughs> uh, I'm going with wide receiver number 88, and that is Deshaun Jackson. Ooh. He is now playing with the LA Rams, where they finally have a big-armed quarterback in Matt Stafford. Uh, I've been in, been living in LA for a while now. It hasn't. I couldn't. I honestly could not tell you the last time it's rained. So, slippery <laughs> turf on the home field, we're not going to have to worry about that. Deshaun Jackson, obviously, you know, he's past his prime, but he's still a really fast guy. He's somebody that can outrun your, you know, your third, fourth best corner. He's somebody who can outrun most of your safeties, and he's got a quarterback who can throw the ball halfway down the field with ease. I think that he's probably not going to be an every week type of guy, but you get a weak secondary, he's somebody that's probably going to put up three, four points a week, and then when he gets that week secondary, he's going to torch him for like three touchdowns. The following week, he's going to be the top claim on waiver wires. You want to make sure he's on your roster before that happens. If you have a bye week and it lines up against a week secondary, he could win some weeks for you. Uh, Steve, you're the Rams fan in here, so tell yeah. us. I, I imagine the, uh, the, the, the caveat to him is Van Jefferson, right? And I think Tutu Atwell as well. He looked really good in the first preseason game, and I think he may have a role, and he's kind of just a younger version of Deshaun Jackson, a speedster out of college who can, you know, he can be used out of the backfield. He can be used out of the slot. If you could promise me Deshaun Jackson's going to be the number three, the slot guy for the Rams for the whole year, I love that pick. I just don't know, and I also know that Sean McVay loves to move guys around. He loves to rotate in. And the only two receivers who have secure roles, it's Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I'm not completely sold on Jackson, but to your point, Jordan, he is a guy who has potential to have a 30-point type of week if mm-hmm. he has that role and if he gets those you know, long touchdowns. I don't know how the Rams plan on using him. I think they want to try to get Van Jefferson more targets than Jackson this year would be my guess. And I think Tutu's still going to be there and have a bit of a role. So I just think there's too many mouths to feed to be completely sold on taking a flyer on Deshaun Jackson. In a best ball league, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's a great late round best ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe depending on the depth of your league, Chris, how do you feel about Deshaun Jackson? He took the words out of my mouth. Best ball, it's a great pick, especially you said 252 or something. Yeah, yeah. 252, yeah. When you're, when you're making a dart throw in these late rounds, you just want them to outperform where you drafted them. So Deshaun Jackson doesn't have to be a top 30 wide receiver for you to return value. Um, a great depth piece, especially if you have 
wide receivers that are injured or on by, especially if he has a great matchup. So I do like that pick, especially with how late he's going. Yeah, no, he's literally free. I mean, he, he's the kind of guy that even if you want to take somebody else, he'll probably be there in your waiver wire. Like, that's all these guys. If you want to draft someone else ahead, these are also guys you can keep an eye on as the season goes on in the free agent market. Yeah. Uh, Steve, let's round out the first round of this. Give us your first of two deep sleepers. So I'm going to go with a rookie back, and I'm going to go with the Rams rookie back, and it's Xavier Jones. And Ooh, he's yeah. right okay. now ranked 274th. He's the 76th ranked running back, and wow. he has no competition right now for the second running back spot for the Rams. They haven't brought someone in. A lot of people are saying that rumored the Rams may sign a veteran to try to join this running back room. That hasn't happened yet, and until that happens, I love Xavier Jones. Listen, we saw what Daryl Henderson did last year. He's not capable of being a workhorse. He averaged 10 touches a game in 15 games, and he only had 16 receptions. They don't have Cam Akers anymore, which sucks. You know, injuries, it happens. And Malcolm Brown's on the Dolphins. Xavier Jones is the number two back, and he's a much better receiving back than Daryl Henderson. So even if he isn't, you know, the first couple downs, he's going to be out there on third down. He's going to be out there, you know, in shotgun formations. Sean McVay, he loves that type of stuff. He loves the, you know, the receiving scat type of back. And he's another guy, too. These are the backs I love to target is the ones where one injury turns them from a deep sleeper to a must-start RB2, RB1 type potential. That's yep. what Xavier Jones is if there's no one else there right now. And it's just him and Daryl Henderson. I wasn't wowed by Henderson last year, and the Rams weren't wowed because they tried to replace him twice last year. You had Malcolm Brown first, and then they mm -hmm. brought Cam Akers in. I think the leash is going to be short, and they have been raving about Xavier Jones in training camp. That's all I've heard from the Rams media. I think he just needs an opportunity. It may take a few weeks, but we're talking about these deep sleepers. This is a guy you draft late at the end of your rounds. Just hold on your bench for a few weeks and just see what his role is. If he doesn't have a role, but week, you know, four or five, then you can get rid of him. But I truly believe he's going to have a role and he could emerge ahead of Henderson by the end of the year. Yeah, no, I love that pick. There are a lot of between that LA team and the other LA team. There are some nice, nice, fun young rookies over there. And yeah, Xavier Jones is absolutely uh, the clear handcuff to uh, to Daryl Henderson after the Cam Akers injury, and he's an incredible value right now. Absolutely, like again, another running back that should be going higher. Yeah. He should probably be going in like the the RB fifties, and he, instead he's free, which is absolutely bananas. Chris, another rookie. How do you like Xavier Jones? Um, I think that was a great point about Daryl Henderson. He's not an every down back kind of, but in pass pro. So mm -hmm. I feel like Xavier Jones, <laughs> Xavier Jones is a great, I mean, especially with how late he's going. Like, I feel like Daryl Henderson is kind of like a trap pick. I think he's going, what, the second, early third, maybe? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kind of like a, just a little less than where Cam Akers was going. So, I mean, like, that might be a trap uh, for some people. You said it yourself. McVay tried to replace him every chance he got uh, yeah. last year. So um, I'm not sure. Do you know what round Xavier Jones was uh, chosen in? He's a late. He was, it was late. late. It was six late. Or I think it was seven. I think it was the seventh round. But well, yeah, yeah. they love him, and they haven't brought anyone else in. So it, right. it could exactly. be that's you know, James the... Robinson potential there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. the one position you can't – it doesn't really matter where they're chosen. The opportunity right. there. McVay loves his goal line carries. He wants a workhorse running back. I mean, Henderson, he didn't wow me at all. 
the past yeah, couple of years. He, he's not a third down running back. So Xavier Jones could definitely carve out a role in that offense. Yeah, the other Jordan. thing too there. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Jordan, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing too there is um, I mentioned a while back that I wasn't necessarily sold on Cam Akers because they, the backfield was kind of a bit of a three-headed monster. But then I also didn't buy into the hype of Darrell Henderson because I really saw him as more of a trap player than anything. I saw him as okay. somebody who would eat into Cam Akers' work, mm-hmm. but I didn't really see him as somebody that would lock down a workhorse role by himself. And I was really expecting that the Rams would go after a bigger running back in free agency. You know, in the training camp, but we really haven't seen that. And guys have been available. I mean, Frank Gore's available. Not that he's going to be a bell bell back, but, you know. CJ Anderson can go in there and be an RB one, two weeks in a row. So can Frank Gore. Let's talk about that. But here's the thing with Frank Gore. I mean, if you're going to have a running back committee, which, I mean, Sean McVay doesn't necessarily like, but he regrettably did it last year. Frank Gore's an excellent part of a committee. He's Absolutely. a terrific committee back. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is available. Obviously, yep. you're not going to get Le'Veon Bell from five years ago, but no. you know he's still a, a proficient pass catcher. Um, I, I believe Todd Gurley is available. I think yeah, he yeah. Is. And they're not bringing. Released, they right? don't want to bring him back. Yeah, and, he, and he's played in McVay's system before. They don't want to bring him mm-hmm. back. Right now, they're comfortable with these two guys as their back. Which until that changes, mm-hmm. why not take the shot? We learn a lot from what coaches say, what coaches do, and what GMs don't do uh, yes. for, and how that applies to fantasy. Yes. Um, and, and, and I'll let you get your final thoughts in because that kind of goes into my next guy. So, you know, you can keep going, Jordan. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was just I was just saying – I was literally about to say the same thing. You can oh, learn okay. a lot Perfect. by what people don't do. And <laughs> the fact that the Rams haven't brought anybody else in tells me that they've got a lot of confidence in this running game because we know that Sean McVay wants to be a guy that runs the football. Yes. Um, even though Matt Stafford's a proficient passer, McVay wants to be somebody who's in a run-based offense. And if they've got that much confidence that they're not going after somebody, I don't think it's because of Darrell Henderson. No, you know? if I, yeah, if, if anything, it might be because they plan to pass it a little bit more than, with Stafford than they did with Goff. That could also be part of it. Maybe running backs won't be utilized as much as they were in past years. Um, but who knows? It'll be a fun team to watch for sure, and one that you know a lot of fantasy lineups, fantasy championship lineups, are going to have people from those offenses. Uh, yeah. So uh, moving on for our second picks, mine. Shout out Meerkat. This one's for him. It's for me too because he and I have fallen in love with this guy. Let me guess. One hundred seventy overall. No, no, 195th. Okay. 195th. Okay. This is All a good right. guy. Hey, 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 hey. Okay. And, no, and no. also with not the guy I thought you were going with then. <laughs> no, I, wait, well, may, maybe we're just looking at different lists. I have no, wait, no, that's for real. Is it, sweet for mine. it is my sweet prince. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he was pulled out of the Titans first uh, preseason game against the Falcons after just a few snaps. And they already said that he's not going to play for the rest of the preseason. That means that they definitely plan to use him in the offense. They like what he brings. It's our sweet Prince meerkat, Anthony Ferkser, ADP 195 tight end 25. And it's more than just a fun name. Like there's actually a really good argument here. So Titans offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, he was the team's tight ends coach before being promoted in this offseason. Obviously, if he's being promoted to be the offensive coordinator, they liked what he was doing with the tight end room beforehand. That's obviously with Johnny Smith, who left this offseason to go to the Patriots, and with Anthony Ferkser. Behind him on the depth chart, 
Jeff Swaim, Luke Stocker, Tanner Hudson. I think Tanner Hudson might be a rookie. I think Luke Stocker has been in the league for three years and hasn't done anything. I think Jeff Swaim was in Jacksonville last year, and he's only on the Titans because he was in the division a few years ago because that's how the NFL works sometimes. <laughs> you know, I think he's a backup in Dallas for a little bit too, wasn't he? Could have been that too. Who the hell knows with these shitty tight ends in Tennessee, but Anthony Perkser ain't one of the shitty ones, I'll tell you that much. Last year, between him and Jonu Smith and the rest of the tight ends, they had 138 targets to tight ends. Jonu Smith had 65 of them. Anthony Perkser had 53. So he wasn't like that far behind. And on 12 less targets, he actually had two more catches than Jonu Smith. And the only reason that Jonu Smith finished as tight end nine and Ferkser did as tight end 33 is because Johnny Smith was the primary red zone target, not just for tight ends, but for the entire offense, really. So if you kind of split that up, they literally would have had identical passing stat, pass catching stats from last season. The only, 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 only caveat to Johnny Smith is that there are two players that really eat into his value, and that's Josh Reynolds, new guy, could be in line for you know third most targets on that team. And Derrick Henry, because one, Derrick Henry caps the upside of every single player on that Titans roster, but also, you know, tight end and running back touches are correlated. So every touch that goes to Derrick Henry, in unfortunate reality, that is one more touch that isn't going to uh, Anthony Ferkser's way. But like I said, like they had 138 targets to tight ends last year. No one behind him deserves more than 10 targets on the year. If he gets 80 targets this year, he's basically locked into tight end one, and that's just because of the opportunity. So... I mean, at, at, at worst case scenario, you're getting a guy that you can plug into your lineup, in my opinion, every single week. And if you can find a streaming option better, go for it. But you can do a lot worse than having him as your tight end. Honestly, I think he'll be a tight end one by the end of the year. Yeah, I had him. Uh, I The list I was looking at had him 170. And Yeah, yeah. You knew. Okay. So I, I, you guys I, I, knew I, I, who I'd be calling. Yeah, the people, the people watching might not have known, but uh, Wade nah, told yeah. us all, like, let's let's focus on guys that are 170 and later. And I saw Ferkster came in right at 170. I was like, I know That's exactly a total going. coincidence. <laughs> he's 195. Exactly he's looking, so. Yeah, no, but, you know, tight end's such a shit show. He's easy. Yeah, you got him as one of the streams if you're streaming. I know Steve loves streaming, so, you know, he's an easy tight end, too, for a streaming player. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Easy. No arguments about our sweet prince. Chris, no, who's I, your next I sleeper? I like that. <laughs> I like that too. Especially off of the play action. They're, they're on the yep. ball. My first year should be wide open. So I do yeah. this with how wait, ladies going. Um, my second sleeper is actually a rookie, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> Ramondre, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, go for up. it. Yeah. He had a nice. great game last week. What did he have? 100 yards, two touchdowns, something like that. 127. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> The Patriots have a great offensive line. Um, I yeah. just like Mike Davis. This isn't a knock on uh, Damian Harris at all, but Belichick does like to switch things up every now and again. That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. But Damian Harris, I still like him. But I just feel like Ramon J. Stevenson, who's a fourth round pick, if he keeps it up in this preseason, that's something to keep an eye on because Belichick will go with the hot hand because he's been known to do that. Yeah, no, I love the Ramondre Stevenson call. I think he's a lock to make the roster at this point after what he he's did going already. 239 ADP. Yeah, which is absolutely, I mean, I'm sure that's going to move up. Um, on, on the list I have, it has 246. So it's really just splitting hairs there. But yeah, either way, way too late. Steve, are you think maybe there's a little too much hype behind Ramondre Stevenson or are you with us? 
I'm, I'm okay with it because he's essentially free right now. And exactly. with the Patriots, they're another team. We don't know who's going to be their go-to back week to week. Belichick has shown that. Mm-hmm. And it very well could be Stevenson. All this, you know, we could just see Damian Harris just by week three. Belichick's like, yeah, I don't want to use you anymore. And now Stevenson's <laughs> the guy. I could very well see that. And he's free. So why not take a shot on him? Mm-hmm. Jordan, your thoughts, and then give us your second. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was outnumbered, uh, when we were talking about a different Patriots running back who was going to be the one that finally broke Belichick and got him to commit to one running back. Who was that and, running back? Uh, Damian Harris. Oh, I, no, I like Damian Harris. Oh, I like Damian Harris. You just, you're just like so him. used I, to being outnumbered. I still <laughs> like him. Yeah. I'm going to draft Damian Harris. I'm going to handcuff him, though, probably. Yeah. I um I just I have a hard time trusting New England running backs. I mean, it's fun to look at the preseason and overreact. And I do it's think that, fun. you know, Ramondre Stevenson is probably going to have it. I mean, it's a that is a great name. Um that is that's how I draft. Mm-hmm. First name team all value name right there. <laughs> first, first team all name, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh right up there with Chubb Hubbard. Oh, and, great um, name. That's um, another great sleeper too. Yeah, <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell. So many good names in this rookie running back class. <laughs> yeah, Gainwell as a running back, like awesome, yeah, amazing, awesome amazing. name for the profession. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so yeah. Stevenson, I think he's somebody who's going to come in. He's going to have probably one or two big games, but I just I don't think there's going to be a lot of consistency. And yeah. because of the way the Patriots are, they don't necessarily make a lot of sense all the time. Like they'll come in and beat teams that they probably shouldn't. And then they'll drop a, a goose egg against the team that they should dispose of pretty easily. It's they're very difficult to predict sometimes. And so, like I know I brought up Deshaun Jackson, who's a guy that I don't think is going to be that consistent thirty-point player. But there's probably going to be a couple weeks where that happens. But I think it's a little easier to predict when those are going to happen. With Ramondre Stevenson, you know, I think that it's that big game is going to come out of nowhere, and then you're probably going to spend the rest of the season trying to chase it and wind up with a bunch of five, six-point outings um, as a result. So that's what I worry about with him. But, I mean, he is free, and, you know, there's definitely definitely clear upside there. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess going into my next sleeper, um, I'm going to keep pounding the table for this guy. I brought him up a couple times, and he's currently sitting at ADP of 206, wide receiver 77, and that is A.J. Green in arizona Ew. oh my god it's the first time that i get to groan this episode and i knew it'd be from you okay what what's his wide receiver ranking where's he being going where's he going? he's wide receiver 77 77 all right well he's older than the wide receiver 77 like he's older than 77 years old so i guess this makes sense but go on jordan go off king <laughs> this is a talented guy yes i know he's past his prime but there's no pressure to be the guy anymore. Even mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, you know, is he's he's like the Fred Jackson of wide receivers. He's somebody yeah, that, yeah, that management never wants him to be the top guy in the depth chart, but it just they they always he finds a way to get there. There's I don't see AJ Green usurping DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. But he's gonna. But you're gonna have to give a lot of attention to DeAndre Hopkins, and that means for the first time in his career, AJ Green is going to be up against weaker opposition. He's playing in a division where it's warm weather. I mean, yeah. barely rains in Arizona. It doesn't rain in Los Angeles. Um, 
Seattle, okay, you have to deal with a little bit there. It does rain <laughs> quite a bit up there. Yeah, but that's bad, you're only but... you're only going up to Seattle once in the season. And San mm-hmm. Francisco, you know, maybe, maybe not. But playing in that division, you're getting dry weather. You're going to get nice turf that's uh, comfortable to play under. You got some new stadiums out there. We know mm-hmm. that some of those injuries he's dealt with turf toe in the past. So you're probably not going to deal with as much of that um, in the division he's playing in. I think that he's probably not going to stay healthy the whole year. But I think you can get for basically free. I mean, 206, this guy's available in the last round most of the time. You're going to get a guy that can put up really solid wide receiver two numbers for probably half the season. Yeah, with deep sleepers, you're often looking at guys who are in injury away from from fantasy relevance, and that's kind of what AJ Green might be. I mean, like I know that the, the Cardinals do use a lot of four wide receiver sets, mainly because they never have had a good tight end to save the life of them. Um, but you know, if, if either Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, God forbid DeAndre Hopkins, if any of them go hurt, AJ Green will immediately be very, very fantasy relevant, depending on the matchup, and that's exactly what you're looking for in a sleeper. Uh, so I don't hate the pick. I love to groan at you. I wish it was worse so I could groan more. But the more I thought about it, the less I hate it. So so, so it's not a bad one. Chris, how do you feel about A.J. Green? Um, yeah, I've seen some reports coming out of camp that he's going to be the two in that offense. He's going to be the two? Really? Um, I think I, that's what I've read. Okay. Um, Christian Kirk, I think, got bumped down. So I do like yeah. that. Uh, I do like that as a deep sleeper, especially high upside, right? If he's yeah. AJ Green, if you draft him and he's AJ Green, that's a league winner. You know what that's I mean? True. But uh, it's just there's not much risk to do it, and so I, I can't argue with it. I mean, he was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for how long? So if he if he shows up and is his regular self, then that's a steal. I really love pairing the idea of pairing him with Michael Thomas because I'm ex- I'm anticipating that AJ Green is probably going to get injured. It's you hate to say it, but it um, feels almost mm-hmm. inevitable at this point. But if that yeah. lines up right around the time that Michael Thomas is coming back, back. I think you can mm-hmm. get some really solid okay. wa- ha- elite wide receiver two production. I'm going to say elite wide receiver two production out of two guys for the course of the season. And you're not going to have to spend anything better than, what, maybe a sixth rounder on uh, Michael Thomas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he is the wide receiver two in Arizona, like you could draft him – in your, you could take him with your last pick and draft a better defense and a better kicker in rounds like 15 and 16 and have that actually work out and, you know, maybe actually get like a Justin Tucker or something, you know, and still wait on the position for kickers. So, you know especially, especially if you're worse. one of the people that takes like a, a Travis Kelsey in round one or yeah. you're one of the people that takes um, Waller or Kittle early on, right? And so now you're, you're running backs and wide receivers, you're kind of a round behind. And you're you're starting to try and play catch up. I think that's a really great way to stockpile talent there. And you know, remember, you only have to keep the same roster for one week. You get to switch guys sure. out frequently. So we talked about streaming and playing the matchups with defense, but you know, sometimes you sometimes you know it's not a bad idea to do that with uh, skill position players as well. Yeah, no, not at all, Steve. That's not a you know what. Uh, I'll say it. None of us have sounded too stupid on this episode, which is a big step from the usual. Steve, you're the smartest one here, at least from my baseball talkings with you. So we'll end the show with you to make sure we end on a high note. Who's your final sleeper? Please don't make me eat my own words. 
So, Wake, I'm taking a receiver that I think will be the number one receiver for his team week one, and he's going at 268th, wide receiver 93 right now. It is Marquez Callaway of the New Orleans Saints, and I I expect his draft position to shoot up exponentially in the next couple of weeks. They have been raving about Callaway coming into camp. He's been Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston's favorite target in training camp. And you've got Michael Thomas, who's injured, and now Traquan Smith, who has an undisclosed injury that they haven't even announced for like the past three or four days. Who knows how how serious that can be? Callaway is the clear number one out right now for the Saints. He's the only healthy guy who was going to have a actual role on the team for the receiving core coming into the season. And he's playing on the Saints offense that loves to throw the ball, especially if Jameis Winston is the quarterback. He's going to get so many targets and he's mm-hmm. going and he's the 93rd ranked receiver right now on fantasy pros. He's going after guys who may see 15% of snaps week one. He's going to be mm-hmm. out there almost every single offensive play. He's going to get his high targets. And if he plays well, which I expect him to do, I think he'll have a role going forward the rest of the year, even when Thomas comes back. And if Smith comes back, not to mention this guy last year, he only played, you know, like kind of five, six games he truly like had snaps, and he had 21 receptions, 213 yards. So he already has NFL experience. He's a second-year player out of Tennessee, had a 77.8% catch rate, was always that's, had elite hands really good. in college. He's going to be reliable week to week, and I think he has high upside. And if you really want to just in a DFS league or a best ball league, really anything. If you really want a guy who could be a breakout star, who's, you know, a minimum price for daily fantasy or a guy you can take for free at the end of a round, Marquez Callaway, I guess I think he's clearly going to be the number one for week one. And I think he could be a major role on that offense going forward. Yeah. I love that call. Um, And and it's not just because of the regular season, but he did have a, minor role in the postseason too and he didn't have a lot of stats i'm gonna say that but he is someone that literally never quits on a play absolutely Mm -hmm. never broken play he's already trying to figure out how he he can become a defender on it like literally like i remember the one time in the game against and i know we brought it up in the dfs shows we were doing in the playoffs last year um and and you, you guys might remember it was against the bears and drew Brees threw up a terrible pass like one of the worst passes i've ever seen a pass that made me think this is definitely the last year for drew Brees. if we didn't know this already and marquez calloway it wasn't even intended for him he was he wasn't he was like the second closest receiver to the pass and he ran over and broke it up like a db so it wasn't picked off and the saints went on to win the game those plays are the plays that win you more opportunities as much as the crazy catches so i love the marquez calloway call i was high on him before all the Michael Thomas stuff went down, I've been higher on him than Traquan Smith, and mm-hmm. I have nothing but great things to say about him. <laughs> Glad <laughs> Chris, I didn't let you down. <laughs> you did not let me down. No, that's a great call. We haven't talked to him about him enough, honestly. Uh, Chris, am I too happy about Marquez Calloway, or do you? Th- maybe I just love the sleepers too much. Maybe I'm just passionate about the sleepers. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually glad you brought it up because that was yeah. probably going to be one of mine. Uh, but I couldn't make room, had to put in the rugby. So I'm glad glad you brought that up uh, because Mm -hmm. he has a huge, he's going to have a role in the offense for the first month. 
It could be something if you choose Michael Thomas and you don't feel comfortable with your receivers, you can pair him with Marquez Callaway and just Absolutely. flip him when the time comes if you need to. Or I don't know if you can start both of them at the same time. We'll see. But no, that's I mean, how late? How late was he going? Two. He's wide receiver ninety three right now, and he's ranked two hundred sixty eighth. It has to go yeah. up. It's only going to go up. But I mean, if you're drafting soon, just get him now. He is free, and I don't think he will be free by the yeah. you know last couple of drafts before the year he's starts. Gonna be, Chris and I draft an R one league in five days, so he and I are going to be playing Marquez Callaway <laughs> chicken. <in the> draft. <laughs> yeah, man, that's funny, Jordan. Uh, closing thoughts on Marquez Callaway here, and then we'll get out of here. So, uh, what's train wreck watching can get going later. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's an interesting thing. Watching what's on? Let me check the schedule so I make sure I tell everybody the right show that's coming up. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, it's an interesting pick. Um, I do want to caution: you don't want to go too far down the depth chart just because somebody's getting, um, you know, starting reps doesn't necessarily mean they're going to produce at the level of other people. We do have a new quarterback coming in with New Orleans. Um, but at the same time, this guy has done everything right, everything you want to see out of somebody. So we're talking about sleepers in general. I mean, there's two kinds of ways to go when you're uh, this late in the draft, and that is you get safe picks that you think you can just plug in and they won't be a liability, or you're getting people that you're going to go for broke, and they might get you two points, they might get you 20. And Marquez Cow is absolutely one of those people. I don't know that he's a year-long starter for you but you know if you reach on a couple other skill position players you're looking a little weak at wide receiver or maybe you just wound up with some safety guys that there's nobody that's really electric on your team and you're looking for that spark i think he's a good direction to go um, and I, I think he has a chance to become a year-long guy because he has such a golden opportunity the first couple of yeah. weeks of the season without michael thomas and possibly without traquan smith and he was going to be you know their number three receiver regardless of injuries to anyone i think yeah. he can you know force his way to the number two option in new orleans yeah and, uh, and yeah he definitely can and if there's anything we've learned from michael thomas and traquan smith's injuries and the fact that we're saying marcus callaway could be a league winner it's that alvin kamara is going to be the best running back in fantasy yeah. for the first five weeks of the season. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have some bold next week. We'll do a bold predictions episode. I just made that up now. So we'll have a, we'll have all five of us on here. Get Meerkat in here. We'll do some bold predictions next week, but talking about next week, that'll do it for us now. Stay tuned for train wreck tonight to 12. That's right. It's not what's train wreck watching. It's train wreck tonight to 12. If you're pissed off at Rangers fans for that stupid ass billboard they bought, like, I just don't get it. Yeah, we're a terrible franchise at the Sabres. We get it. You don't have to buy a billboard. Like, you wasted money to tell us something we already know. They'll be talking I mean, about that. So, no, nah, I'm not going to rant about it. I kind of remember a certain billboard in Foxborough that popped up around this time last year. Oh, yeah, but Fox NFL bought that. We, we didn't buy that. Are you kidding me? Nah, that's it for Trainwreck Fantasy. <laughs> Fuck the Patriots and Fuck Rangers fans. Good night now. <laughs>